When I was dead by Vincent O'Sullivan, yet my heart will not confess he owns the Malay that doth my life besiege. All's well that ends well. That was the worst of Revel Hall. The passages were long and gloomy. The rooms were musty and dull. Even the pictures were sombre and their subjects dire. On an autumn evening, when the wind soughed and wailed through the trees in the park, and the dead leaves whistled and clattered, while the rain clambered, clambered at the windows, small wonder the folks with gentle nerves went to swaying in their, in their wits. The acute nervous system is grievous burden on the deck of the yacht under sunlit skies. Arevenal, the chain of nerves is prone to clash and jangle and funeral march. Nerves must be pampered in a tea-drinking community. The ghost that your grandfather, with a skillful, skillful port, could face and never tremble, touch you in your sobriety, sweating and shivering, or becoming scared, poor ghost, or your bulge eyes and dropping drawer. He quenches expectation by not appearing at all. So I am left to conclude that it was tea which made my acquaintance afraid to stay at Revenal. Even when Wilverwin gave over, and he is in the guards and polo player, his nerves ought to be strong enough. On the night before he went, I was explaining to him my theory, that if you place some drops of human blood near you and concentrate your faults, you will after a while see before you a man, a woman who will stay with you during long hours of the night, even meet you at unexpected places during the day. I was explaining this theory, I repeat, when he interrupted me with words senseless enough, which set me fencing and prying strangers on my guard. I say, Alice, my dear chap, he began, you ought to get out of this place and go to town and look about a bit. You really ought, you know. Yes, I replied, and get poisoned at hotels by bad food and at clubs by bad talk, I suppose. No, thank you. Let me say that you will care for my health and renovate me. Well, you do, you can do as you like says he, rapping with his feet on the floor. I'm hanged if I stay here after the moment. I'll be staring mad if I do. Here's my last visitor some weeks after his departure. I was sitting in the library with the, my drops of blood by me. I got my theory nearly perfect by this time. But there was one difficulty. The figure which I had never before me was the figure of an old woman with her hair divided in the middle. Her hair fell to her shoulders, white on one side and black on the other. She was a very complete old woman, but alas, she was eyeless. When I tried to construct the eyes, she would shrivel and rot in my sight. But tonight I was thinking, thinking as I never thought before. The eyes were just creeping into the head when I heard a terrible clash outside as if some heavy substance had fallen. Of a sudden the door was flung open, and two men servants 
Entered, they glanced at the rug under my chair, and that they turned a sick white, cried on guard and puddled out. How dare you enter the library in this manner, I demanded sternly. No answer came back for me, so I started in pursuit. I found all the servants in the house gathered in a knot at the end of the passage. Miss Pebbleman said smartly to the housekeeper, I want those two women discharged tomorrow. It's an outrage. You ought to be more careful. But she's not attending to me. Her face is distorted with terror. Oh dear, oh dear, she went. We had better all go to the library together, says she to the others. Am I not? Am I the master of my own house, Miss Pebble? I cried, bringing my knuckles down with a bang on the table. None of them seem to see me or hear me. I might as well have been shrieking in the desert. I followed them down the passage and forbade them to enter the library. But they trooped past me and stood with a clatter round the house rug. And three or four of them began dangling, and began dragging and lifting, as if they were lifting a helpless body, and stumbled with their imaginary burden over to a sofa. Old Soames, the butler, stood near. Poor young gentleman, he said with a sob. I have known him since he was a baby. To bring to think of him being dead like this, and so young too. Across the room, what's all this, Soames? I cried, shaking him roughly by the shoulders. I'm not dead, I'm here. Here, as he did not stir, I got a little scared. Soames, old friend, I called. Don't you know me? Don't you know the little boy you used to play with? Say, I'm not dead, Soames. Please, Soames. He stooped down and kissed the sofa. I think one of the men ought to ride over to the village to the doctor. Mrs. Soames, says Mrs. Pebbles. And he shuffled out to give the order. Now this doctor was an arrogant dog, whom had been forced to exclude from the house because... He went about proclaiming his belief in saving God. At the same time, he proclaimed himself a man of science. He, unresolved, should never cross my threshold. I followed Miss Pebble through the house, screaming out probation. But he did not catch even a groan from her, not a nod of the head, nor a cast of the eye to show that she had heard. I met the doctor at the door of the library. Well, I sneered, throwing my hand in his face. Have you come to teach me some new prayers? He brushed by me as if he had not felt the blow and knelt down by the sofa. Rupture the vessel of the brain, I think, he says to Soames. Miss Pebbles, after a short moment. You've been dead for some hours, poor fellow. You had better telegram for your sister. I will send up to the undertaker to range the body. You liar, I yelled, you whining liar. How have you the insolence to tell my servants that I am dead? When you see me here face to face. He's far in the passage with Soames and Miss Pebbles at his heels. Here I had ended, and not one of the three turned around. All that night I saw the li- in the library. Strange enough, I had no wish to sleep, nor during the day had f- that followed. I had, any, had I any craving to eat? In the morning the men came. Although I ordered them out, he proceeded to minister about something I could not see. So all day I stayed in the library and wandered about the house. At night the men came again, bringing there with them a coffin. Then in my humour, thinking it was a shame that so fine a coffin would be so empty, I lay the night in it and spent a soft, dreamless sleep. The softest sleep I ever slept. And when the men came next day, I rested still, 
He undertakes a shaving, a strain, he's done it. On the evening after, I was coming downstairs when I noticed some luggage in the hall. I so learned that my sister had arrived. I have not seen this woman since her marriage. I loathe her more than I loathe any creatures in this ill-organised world. She is very beautiful, I think, tall and dark, and straight as a ramrod. And she is as really passion for scandal and dress. I suppose the reason I disliked her so intensely was she had a habit of making one aware of her presence when she was several yards off. Half past nine o'clock, my sister came down to the library in a very charming wrap. I soon found she was insensible to my presence at the others. I trembled with rage to see her kneel down by my by the coffin, my coffin. But when she bent over to kiss the pillow, I threw away control. A knife which had been used to cut string was lying upon a table. They seized it and drove it into her neck. She fled for the room, screaming. Come, come, she cried, her voice quivering with anguish. The corpse is bleeding from the nose. Then I cursed her. On the evening of the third day, there was a heavy fall of snow. About eight, to, about eleven o'clock, I observed it at the house, a field of blacks and mutes of folk of the country, came from the obscurities. I went into the library and sat still and waited. Soon came the men. They closed the lid of the coffin, bore it on to their shoulders. Yet I sat, feeling rather sadly that something of mine had taken away. Could not think what, for half an hour, perhaps, dreaming, dreaming. Then I glided to the hall door. There was no trace left of the funeral. But after a while I sighted a back thread winding slowly across the white plain. I am not dead, I moaned, and rubbed my face in the pure snow and tossed it on my neck and hair. Sweet God, I am not dead.